possible, but he never loses the wonder at the genius of its creation. To the science writer, the brain is a subject that is always intriguing, with new discoveries constantly being made and many mysteries yet to be solved. Together we have studied and interviewed and searched to produce this book. The field of neuroscience is the fastest growing scientific discipline and the thousands of researchers who are working in it are producing mountains of information. It is frustrating and fascinating that though we may all receive an identical stimulation, our brains will interpret it differently. There are controversies and false leads about neurophysiology, but it is incontestable that great progress is being made in understanding how the brain functions. One of the most fruitful areas of research, and the one upon which we have based this book, concerns brain potential. It is now clear that your brain can be developed and repaired to a degree, even in old age. The degree often depends on the one thing that no one yet understands clearly, motivation. You are using only a fraction of your true brain potential. We have described the latest research and techniques available to increase your brain power. In this book, we hope to stimulate you and help you develop and maintain your brain to near its maximum capacity. We can present the facts, theories and techniques, but it is up to you to make the effort. Arthur Winter, MD, and Ruth Winter, BA, Livingston, New Jersey. Chapter 1. The Plastic Brain and How It Grows. Just as you can train your body to increase in strength and fitness, so you can train your brain to preserve, restore, and improve your intellect through selective stimulation. Your brain is better designed than any machine on Earth and far superior to the brains used by other living creatures. It has the capacity to gather and store an infinite amount of information from without and within and to manipulate that data instantly, not only as it has done in the past, but in new ways. It is constantly trying to understand itself. You use only a fraction of your brain's capacity, an estimated 0.01% to 10%. And like many other people, you may abuse your brain by hitting it, bathing it in noxious chemicals, depriving it of necessary nutrients, and allowing it to go flabby, like a pot belly. A tremendous revolution has taken place in how science interprets brains and cognition. Until recently, it was believed that as the years passed, the normal human brain inevitably declined in function, and that there was nothing much that could be done about it. New information has been gathered by a wide variety of experts, including neuroscientists and gerontologists, who have been able to listen to a single brain cell talking. Studies of thousands of people and of anatomic specimens over a long period of time have found that decline is by no means inevitable and that there is very little difference in functional capacity between the brains of healthy young people and those of healthy older people. Ranjan Duara, MD, formerly of the National Institutes of Health, and his colleagues at NIH, used one of the newer techniques, the PET scan, positron emission tomography, to study the difference between the metabolism of younger and older brains. Metabolism refers to the brain's use of its fuel, such as the sugar glucose, to function. During the sessions, volunteers between the ages of 20 and 80 were injected with radioactive glucose, their ears were plugged and their eyes masked, but they were instructed not to fall asleep, just to relax. 
Forty-five minutes later, after the radioactive material had been absorbed, the subjects placed their heads in a holder that fits inside a metal cylinder. The volunteers were given a series of geometric designs to copy at their leisure and a few other non-competitive tasks. As they performed these assignments with their heads in the cylinder, doctors monitored where the radioactive tagged glucose went, pinpointing the area of the brain being used to perform or to think about the task. There was no significant difference in metabolism between the healthy older brains and the healthy younger ones in a resting state, Duara said. There were some variations noted more commonly in older subjects, but they were not universal. Some men in their 80s had exactly the same brain metabolism as much younger men, while some younger men showed the changes usually observed in older brains. There are common age changes in the brain, of course, just as there are wrinkles on the skin. CAT scans, computerized x-rays, do show that there is a degree of atrophy and the brains of most 70-year-olds are lighter in weight than those of average 20-year-olds. The joints and muscles of a 45-year-old are not on the average as flexible as those of a 25-year-old. The difference that really counts is how the brain and body function. A trained and motivated 37-year-old Carlos Lopez of Portugal could beat men in their early 20s in the 1984 Olympic marathon. Older people of the same basic intelligence as 20-year-olds may perform better mentally because the seniors have continued to train their brains. But, like wrinkles, not everyone gets the age changes in the brain at the same time, and not everyone gets as many as everyone else. In some people, such alterations are virtually imperceptible. This point was made clear when Congress asked the National Institutes of Health and the Secretary of Transportation in 1979 to study the age 60 rule, which forced commercial pilots to retire. After 10 months, the study committee concluded that variability in the effects of aging within an age group is often nearly as great as variability between different age groups and that usually no single age emerges as a point of sharp decline. Available evidence suggests that on the average, at least some of the skills necessary to the highest level of safety deteriorate with age. However, there is great variation among individuals within any age group. The long-accepted belief that we lose a great many brain cells as we age was based on faulty research. Marion Cleves Diamond, PhD, Professor of Anatomy at the University of California at Irvine, explained why. They took the brain of a healthy 8-year-old and compared it to the brain of a sick 80-year-old and found there was a decrease in the surface area of from 10 to 20 percent. And that was interpolated that we all lose 100,000 brain cells after the age of 30. People accepted this. But the brains they studied were inactive, degenerate brains. And naturally, you're going to see a loss of cells. If you look at healthy brains, you don't find this loss. In fact, working with mice in the laboratory, Dr. Diamond and her colleagues discovered that an enriched environment could increase the weight of the brain, even in older animals. Dr. Diamond, practicing what she has observed, takes singing lessons to enrich her brain and her life. Challenging your brain to keep it in optimal condition is vital not only to your central nervous system, but to your entire body. Your brain is the most important part of your nervous system the captain of its organization. 
for your body to survive, your nervous system must be maintained. All your other organs will undergo sacrifice to keep your brain going when you are under severe stress. The brain's mastery over even a failing body can be very dramatic. What viewer was not moved by the almost unconscious Gabriella Anderson Scheisser struggling to get over the finish line of the 1984 Olympic marathon despite the almost complete exhaustion of her body? The brain, by weight alone, is 90% of the central nervous system. There is also a long extension of the brain descending inside the neck and backbone known as the spinal cord. From both the brain and the spinal cord, nerves go out to the sensory organs, the eyes, ears and nose. Nerves also go out to muscles, to skin and to all the other organs of the body. One of the major functions of the central nervous system is communication. Communication within its various parts and with the outside world. The signals that communicate information within the brain are electrical and chemical in nature. Within individual nerve cells or neurons, the signals are predominantly electrical. The signals that are transmitted from one neuron to another, conversely, are largely chemical. As new discoveries about the human brain are made within a wide variety of disciplines, old beliefs and research conclusions are being proved wrong. Until quite recently, for example, communication between the nerves was thought to occur only at specialized junctions between cells called synapses. It has now been discovered that nerves not only produce chemicals that affect adjoining nerves, but can issue substances that travel throughout the body, affecting other nerves at distant sites. It was also believed that only one chemical was active at one synapse. Now it has been observed that several chemicals may be sent out and received at a single site. Furthermore, it was assumed that the axon, the long wire that carries the nerve signal, was only a one-way channel. Recently, it has been reported that the flow of signals, just like a telephone conversation, goes in two directions. And it was once thought that dendrites, those spider-like endings that arise from the main nerve root, were only receivers of signals. Now it appears that they may leak substances in the opposite direction. The explosion of knowledge in neurobiology has just begun. New information about the human brain is growing so rapidly that it really does boggle the mind. And one of the most important and intriguing findings is that damage to the central nervous system is not necessarily irreparable as previously maintained and that critical mental and motor functions may be restored either by nerves forming new connections or shunting signals around injured tissue roadblocks. Furthermore, decline in mental function is not an inevitable part of aging. The brain is composed of two types of cells, glia and neurons. Glia, named for the Greek word meaning glue, were once thought to be merely supporting cells, but have now been found to take care of many of the basic biochemical chores, including producing nerve coverings that aid in transmission and neurochemical production. Neurons, on the other hand, perform the main work of the brain, processing impulses from far-flung nerves of the sense organs. Much of this activity is concentrated in the cortex, the thick, folded outer layer of the brain. Groups of neurons on the surface of the cortex process the complex stream of information flowing constantly from the eyes, ears and other sense organs and nerves throughout the body. 
The neurons convey these electrical and chemical messages to deeper layers of the cortex and to other underlying brain structures, as well as outward to muscles and organs. Dr. Diamond and her group, as well as others, have shown that the glial cells of mice brains, which provide support and aid to the neurons, remain in number even in old age and are capable of being increased merely by an enrichment of their environment, even in very elderly mice. The same is undoubtedly true of humans. In fact, Dr. Diamond found, when examining a specimen from the brain of the genius Albert Einstein, that his brain had 73% more glial cells than the average for humans. In long-term studies of humans, it has also been shown that people who continue to be active intellectually can actually improve on intelligence tests beyond the age of 60 years. Our brains have been designed so well that despite some damage or neglect, we have enough spare capacity that we can often overcome intellectual malfunctions. In fact, the new science of cognitive rehabilitation now being developed to help those whose brains have been severely injured by accidents or strokes has already proven the amazing ability of the brain to overcome deficits by retraining. For example, in a severe and often fatal type of stroke called the locked-in syndrome, all four limbs and the speech center of the brain are paralyzed. Some patients, however, eventually recover enough brain function to return to their homes, walk again, and lead fairly normal lives. An American tank commander under attack in Vietnam was firing his machine gun when there was a blast next to him. It wasn't until he ran out of ammunition and had to reach down with his left hand to get a new belt that he realized he couldn't use his left hand and that there was something wrong. He was missing a quarter of his brain. A 65-year-old college professor suffered a massive stroke that left him with little muscle control in the right side of his body. Though few specialists thought he would regain his functions, the man recovered fully after five years of active home therapy. Years later, after the professor died of a heart attack while mountain climbing, autopsy revealed the extent of damage caused by the stroke. A large area of the left side of the brain and the pyramidal tract the region controlling many voluntary muscle movements had been destroyed. Some other part of the brain had assumed the functions that the damaged area had once controlled. A 44-year-old professor of psychology had a cardiac arrest in which the oxygen was cut off and the right side of his brain was damaged. He awoke in the hospital, unable to recall how many children he had. He thought he was 10 years younger than he was and he couldn't remember the way to his home. He had